Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me today. I've got a very special guest in Rob McEwen. Um, really needs no introduction. Uh, he's a legend, if you will, in the uh, gold space as a longtime gold bull. He's the was uh, instrumental in Gold Corp turning from a uh, small company into a big company that was a low-grade producer of gold. Um, he's also very talented as an investor, so I think he has a lot of great insights for our audience. Rob, thank you very much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you, Alan. Well, earlier, uh, let's get, um, I'm going to start with the gold space. You're a longtime bull in the gold, and I think it kind of ties into why I picked uh, McEwen Mining as a turnaround story. I think it's part of this part of the story. And uh, then we'll get into McEwen mining. So let's say right. uh, what I'm seeing with the uh, gold is I think it's like a perfect storm. Um, we've got inflation starting to kick up. The Fed has called it from from uh, lately. It's uh, uh, troublesome. Uh, it was uh, transitory for a while. I really think the uh, Fed is an emperor without clothes in that uh, with the massive debt out there, I don't think they can really move rates if inflation kicks in. You've got dollar printing going out of cr crazy. 40% of the dollars ever produced have uh, been produced in the last year in the United States. You've got stocks that are trading at insane valuations on, uh, on the New York in the Wall Street. And uh, so why don't you talk about this perfect storm for us? Well, it is interesting, Alan, <coughs> that you look at all sorts of commodities and their prices. Have, there have been very large increases over the last year. Um, you're hearing about shortages of energy in Europe. Um, and, but gold and silver haven't been performing. They're actually, um, they've gone down in the last year, not by a lot, but, you know, seven to 10% um, or more. And you say, well, what's wrong with it? What, what's holding it back? And it just seems we're being led by the, the media to believe that we're in this new world where you really don't have to worry about government debt and you don't have to worry about massive monetary expansion. Um, it's a new world and, and the old doesn't apply. But um, I think as we see these price increases in the raw materials start feeding into the, the economy, um, you're already seeing it in the grocery stores and you're just going something, our, our dollars aren't buying as much as they used to. And how do I protect it? I, I think the strong stock market is it's an area of speculation spurred by low interest rates and cheap money. Um, and it's starting to divide society very quickly between those that have and those that don't. Um, our politics are moving to populist governments um, without an economic backing. And they're pointing to a smaller segment of the population that have, have money and saying, well, they're the problem. We should, they should be sharing it. 
Um, and if you look through economic history, this is a course that's quite commonly taken by governments that are corrupting their currency. Um, and the resort, you go to hard assets and gold and silver are two. And I think right now is an ideal time to be adding those to your portfolio. Um, now, I have a bias, as, as you said earlier, I, <laughs> I've been long in favor of gold. So I have quite a large position in physical and in uh, equities, just because I'm a believer in it. And, and despite gold going down, there are a number of exploration stories that have done very well. Um, you have the royalty and streaming stocks that have done very well because the people who run mining companies and sell royalties and streams appear not to have taken math when they went through school because they've given away their profit margins. And that's why the royalties and the streamers are doing so well. Um, fortunately, if you're in the market, the royalties and streams don't have the same leverage to the gold price as the explorers or the producers do. So the day is coming when uh, there'll be more people wanting to get into this space. Now, Rob, you've been in this space for a very long time. Um, and uh, have you ever seen a time where you have inflation kicking up like it is now and it really looks like it's inevitable? You know, you've got, I've seen a picture recently of ships outside uh, the ports. They can't get off the, their products off the boat. There's not enough workers to take them off the boat, ship them to uh, consumers. Um, and uh, it, it looks like inflation is about to blast off. And, you know, you've got the debt situation with the U.S. trading at, uh, you know, 140% or more of uh, debt to GDP. Uh, you've got all this money printing. Um, and uh, have you ever seen a situation like this in your career? Well, this one's a little unusual. It was complicated by COVID, which um, cer certainly interrupted the supply chains and distribution channels. Um, and I think that accounts for some of the price increases we're seeing uh, just because we haven't been able to supply product the way we used to. Um, but the last time we saw a really big run in inflation, it was the battle, you know, Vietnam and through the 60s and 70s, late 60s and 70s, when the US was printing a lot of money to finance its war over there. Um, we're facing another war right now, but it's global. And, and it's been governments around the world battling COVID. And just, uh, I think COVID was convenient for them because some of their economies were slowing down and this was a way to feed more money into the system. Um, some of their policies have worked against efficient distribution, taking a large part of the workforce, say in Canada, out of, um, taking it out by subsidizing their lifestyle, saying, well, all right, we shut down, you can't go to work, so we're gonna pay you, which is a reasonable statement, but they've, uh, people have said, well, I'm getting used to getting a check for doing no work. Um, let's keep it up. 
we just had an election of an elected a guy who likes giving away money, but he's like a person who's uh, got his first credit card and feels, look at this, I can buy anything I want until the, uh, the bills come in and say you're being charged 21% or 22% on the outstanding balance you didn't pay. But yeah, I'd, I'd say I've never seen a time like this where the money supply has been expanding so fast, not just in one country or a few, but globally. And also the debt is gigantic. Um, if we see a movement and we are starting to see movements in interest rates, I saw Chile bumped their interest rate by better than 2% just recently. Well, they went up to two and a quarter. It was a 125 basis point jump, um, which um, you start putting a couple of those together uh, and you have up. the system starting to shake. Well, and you, you touched on what I think is the cause and will be the cause of inflation for a long time. It's that, you know, one of the biggest impacts on inflation is wage pressure. And, yes. uh, you know, you now have that wage pressure coming in with commodity prices going up and a Federal Reserve debt, how, with that much debt, how can they raise interest rates? They can talk all they want, but how can they raise interest rates? Still, even a slight move will, you know, stop all economic growth. Yes, yes. Um, oh, I keep going back to economic history. It doesn't always, history doesn't always repeat itself in exactly the same form, but it's a guide for what could happen. And as I said, the debasement of currency by governments has been a, a method whereby they steal the wealth of their citizenry uh, and by destroying the value of savings. Well, and, that Ponzi scheme is uh, looking a little bit uh, suspect these days. And let's get on to the real topic of today. Earlier this year, I, um, I picked uh, uh, McEwen Mining as a, uh, in January as a turnaround story that I thought would benefit from uh, the price of gold going up. It hasn't participated yet, but I think we're on the cusp and, uh, and uh, changed your operational um, hurdles or challenges that you've had over the last couple of years. And also this uh, move into green gold, copper. So let's start with um, how's, how's things going on the operations and, uh, and, and start from there. Well, let's say I have a smile this year. I didn't have it last year. Yeah, when we uh, spoke last time, you were going through a lot of challenges, uh, to say the least, uh, Rob. Uh, indeed, we, um, our operations were not delivering on guidance. Um, we lost an enormous amount of goodwill in the market. Uh, and our, because our operations weren't performing as uh, the operator said they were going to, our revenue fell by 70 million. And that put us into a position where some of the covenants on our debt were looking like they were going to be breached. Not that we have a lot of debt, but we have debt. And when you breach covenants, um, 
that's not good for the share price. So we had to do a couple of financings at prices I didn't like, but it was either that or watch the covenants get breached and suffer a worse fate. Um, since that time, there's been a new suite of, of executives in the head office and at the mine site, um, and, and we're delivering on guidance and doing a little bit better right now. But um, Q2 and Q3, our production was up um, and we were delivering. So if you look at Q3, um, 2021 compared to 20, there's an increase in production of 41%. Year to date, uh, production is up 33% over the past year, um, the same period. Um, all that's good. The cash flow has been coming in. We've, um, there was, we weren't getting any dividends out of our Argentinian operation last year. This year, we've received 10 million in dividends from our San Jose mine. Um, we, were, we had the debt that I spoke of. It was, uh, we refinanced it, got it extended out till August of 23. So um, it took some of the pressure off the balance sheet. Um, the debt we have is $50 million. I put up half of that um, so we could have better terms. Um, and, um, and we're in the process of uh, creating McEwen Copper, the green, the sort of the, yes, the alternative to oil, the new oil in a way. Um, and it, it, it's quite exciting because um, it's a project, it's a large project that was sitting on our shelf. Um, we weren't able to advance it because of the challenges we are facing. Um, it's a large copper project and the market seems to prefer pure plays like a pure copper development story in one hand and over in the other hand is a precious metal company. But they, the amalgam of having a junior producer such as McEwen Mining plus a large copper project that needs money to advance it, um, we weren't getting credit. So the thought was Let's see if we can surface value by putting it into a separate company and increase both the value to McEwen Mining through a large shareholding in that company and create an attractive copper development story. So, well, you know, the fundamentals of copper are quite spectacular. You've got, and you've seen it in the price of uh, copper itself, um, you know, with the, uh, revolution that's going on in transportation with electric vehicles. They need a lot of copper. I think that something that a lot of people don't really understand is that a lot of the developed countries like the United States have ancient power grids. And those power grids are, and it, they need to get uh, rebuilt. And, you know, with the uh, liquidity and uh, that the governments want to pump out there, I mean, if they're going to at least do it intelligently, if you're going to do it, yes. do, you know, why not rebuild your power grid and put it into infrastructure, which will get uh, money out to the consumers that spend that money. Um, and so I think that there's a lot transpiring to 
um, get copper where it is and I think where it's going much higher. And uh, there's just not a lot of good copper stories out there. I love green gold. <laughs> well, it, it, it's always been a project that I thought had a lot of latent value for McEwen mining. And to, to give you an example, um, our project right now is remote, considered remote because it's only accessible five months of the year due to the passes we have to go over that fill in with snow. Uh, we're building and we started construction on a new road that'll give us 12 month access. It should be completed by the second half of next year, but it's at a lower altitude, 12 month access, be an ideal power corridor to bring it power into the site. Um, so we're quite excited about that. We have, um, by putting the, the copper project into a separate company, um, and we're in the midst of doing a financing on that, but we'll be able to finance the advance of that. We're looking to raise 60 to 80 million of which I put up 40 already personally. Um, and it's priced at or a value of 175 million, which if you look at the, the resources behind it, it would be 0.6 of a cent per copper equivalent pound. So this is a resource um, total indicated and inferred of 32.9 billion pounds of copper equivalent. And that'd be comprised of 29 and a half billion pounds of copper, five and a half million ounces gold, 191 million ounces silver. So um, it's a big project. Once it's no longer remote, we've, we've opened up the existing road in. Uh, we have a contract with major drilling. They're going to be supplying us with 10 drills. Six are coming in in November, another four coming in in January to do 53,000 meters of definition drilling and studies for metallurgy and environmental and um, rock stability, but we're moving it towards a completing a pre-feasibility study and improving the access. So um, there, between 2010 and 2012, there were 12 large copper projects purchased globally around and they ranged from different stages, from a resource through to a PEA to a pre-feasibility onto a feasibility study. So if you think of, as you know, Alan, as you upgrade and de-risk a project, you have incremental bumps in value. So we're currently at the uh, preliminary economic assessment stage, the PEA, and that's where you don't get a lot of value, but when you move to the pre-feasibility, you get uh, a large bump. Now, in that period, 2010 to 18, of the dozen transactions, which averaged about six cents per pound, there were two 
that were pre-feasibility -feasib pre stage that sold for over 13 cents a pound. So if you were to look at this resource and it's being at this price right now, it's um, 0.6 of a cent. That's 175 million. If you go to three cents, you're just under a billion. If you're at five cents a pound, you have a value of over 1.6 billion. Now, McEwen Mining, when we complete this financing, we're looking to raise up to $80 million, would own 69, after that funding, would own 69% of it. So for McEwen Mining, um, the three to five cents a pound would translate into a two and a half to a three and a half X on in terms of value accretion to McEwen Mining. And uh, on the, what the new company McEwen Copper, it'd be a four to a six X um, type move. The new investors would own 31% of the company, the new company and McEwen would own 69. So I saw this as a way of increasing the value of McEwen Mining and creating an attractive copper play out there. Um, so it's right now we have, um, we've assembled a team of copper mine designers, builders, operators. Um, we brought in uh, Bechtel and a number of other companies that build large projects to advise us. There's, um, we're working with Whittle out of Australia that is a mine optimizer. Um, Andritz, which works in the oil and gas industry and other heavy industries, is doing digital simulations on it. Um, there's quite a bit of activity around it right now. And we're very excited. And particularly with, for me, it's always been, how do we improve access right from the first day I saw this? And to see this new road being built, it, I think will dramatically change the value of this. You can look at several other copper projects that are in the same province in San Juan, uh, Argentina. You have uh, the Lundin Mining Control Companies of Filo Mining and Jose Maria. They're both located, uh, the deposits are about a thousand meters higher than where we are. So their uh, resources are considerably smaller. Um, Philo's on its published resources is a quarter of our resource, although the grade's about 50% higher, but a smaller resource. Um, and we're half, um, Jose Maria's half our size. So uh, the altitude puts you in, gets you into trouble in terms of operational issues on your machines. They're compromised by less oxygen in the atmosphere, less dense. Um, and, and impacting uh, glaciers that uh, might be in the way. So, so uh, you want to avoid that. From an investor perspective, it looks like there will be two ways for an investor to get into the McEwen Copper play. One, currently through McEwen Mining. Secondly, uh, uh, there will, and that will retain a big interest in the McEwen Copper 
And then the copper company will be a trading vehicle as well. Precisely. Now that the McEwen Copper currently is a private company. So it's illiquid. Our plans are to take it public within the next 12 months. So it's not as easy to get at an investment in it. And the minimum investment's a quarter, quarter million dollars. Um, so at this point in time, the only way to get exposure to McEwen Copper is through McEwen Mining. Well, there are two ways. You just have to write a bigger ticket. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Copper and, and, it, and you have to deal with the fact that it's illiquid for up to a year. So that uh, discourages some investors from investing it that way. Well, but for the average retailer that uh, I talk to in my shows most of the time, uh, the best way is through McEwen Mining. And I think that gives you a double kick at the can because you're turning around operations at McEwen Mining and you're about to add value to those McEwen Mining shares through McEwen Copper. That's right. That's right. So that's a, that's a great one-two punch, if you will, uh, Rob. I think people should, uh, should pay attention to that because I don't think you're, one, being valued a lot for the potential for a turnaround in operations at McEwen Mining, for a turnaround in the price of gold getting more bullish, and nothing for your copper stuff. That's right. I mean, you were clearly ahead of the curve, well ahead of the curve when you recommended us. Uh, but the turnaround is occurring. We've been able to put two quarters together. I felt we needed to put two, three or four quarters together before the market really said, okay, you're on track. Um, our operations will have, um, we have expansion plans for our Timmins operation. Uh, we have a fairly aggressive exploration program. Uh, in Timmins and then down in Nevada, we're working on a, an adjoining pro property we have to our gold bar. Um, it was challenging, and it, but as I said, it's, uh, it's turning around nicely. Um, I remember from the last time we spoke, Rob, that you had some really exciting exploration potential on a couple of your projects. And I, you know, I know you're a very busy guy and I don't want, I think we can get into that maybe the, the next time you have some news on those. Um, but uh, I wanted to take a big picture look because I like the turnaround potential. I like gold going higher. I like the green gold copper angle. And I really wanted to present that to the investor. But before I let you go, um, I wanted to talk about your style of investing, because you're not just the guy who runs companies and is also very involved in philanthropic efforts, but you're an investor in this space. And I've noticed you on the roster at the early stages of some very big success stories of late over the last couple of years in a challenging market for gold. And I think your insights into an investor, I kind of see you more as a as a rifle hunter than a shotgun hunter. Um, and you're pretty accurate with your rifle, uh, uh, Rob. So can you give us some insights into how you look at investing in a company in this space? Well, using your analogy of a hunter, I look 
for a target that's sitting still for quite a while. And you look at the juniors, uh, the explorers, um, their price, they hadn't been moving for quite a while. Um, money was being spent on exploration. A number were getting good results, but the market wasn't paying any attention to it whatsoever. Uh, and that sounds like right now. Yes, yes, we're back into that. Um, you know, a year and a half ago, it was pretty quiet. And then uh, after a while, people, it was something like pushing a string. They put out great results and nothing would happen. Um, but then people started taking, it, it was getting a little bit of press and there was some more good results and the prices started moving up because there wasn't a lot of liquidity. Most of the selling had occurred, but the buying hadn't started. Um, so I'm struck by people who come in and they, they have a vision and, and look at the results. I mean, Great Bear, they came into the office and showed me some numbers and having uh, developed Gold Corp's primary asset in, in Red Lake, I said, oh, those are interesting. Those, those grades and intercepts are familiar to me. Um, it's a big property. It's a place that had been explored a number of times. And I said, well, Red Lake, when we were developing at Gold Corp, it had been explored a number of times when people had given up on it. And it turned out, turned for a while, was one of the lowest cost gold mines in the world. Um, one of the biggest in Canada. Cash cow. Um, yes. So, I mean, Great Bear was like that. Uh, newfound gold. Um, there was a really interesting geological interpretation of a, of a major rift structure running down, coming out of sort of Scandinavia and down the East Coast uh, through Newfoundland and then heading down to the Carolinas where there was gold as well. Um, they were getting good grades over interesting widths again. Um, high gold in Alaska, there's white gold, there's you want to align yourself with some good geologists. That's really important. Yeah, actually, um, you bring up high gold, and I know Darwin Green quite well. He, uh, I used to work with him, actually, and I always found him to be a really brilliant geologist who did great work, no-nonsense kind of guy. And uh, they've really burst on the scene in the last couple of weeks with some spectacular grades over thick intersections. Um, that's uh, that's one I'm keeping a close eye on of late. Yeah, that's you know some spectacular grades. Um, so if we put it, it into a nutshell, it sounds like you you like to look for things early. Uh, you like to look for quality um, in the the grades and the intersections and uh, and buy on the cheap. And I think that that's where. You know, we're in a market that offers that opportunity to a lot of investors that, you know, look can look at it that way and uh, and help them to become the next Rob McEwen. Well, it, it, it's the opportunity right now. There's that moment out there, Alan. I mean, the seniors are off. I mean, you can look at Barrick. It's off about a third from its high. Um, so 
all across the board. A lot of them are down. Uh, they're out of favor. They're, you know, and that's when you want to buy. I've heard you, that you, song you before, that. Rob. I started in the business in 93. I remember the big bull market from 2001 to 2011. Um, you know, I was, and every time the, the market gets sold off and is soft, you know, when you have a preponderance of the evidence, it's usually when you're ready for a turn. And I think that's where we are right now. Yes. Yes. I, well, I, I couldn't agree more. I, go long. And, go and long. if you can see, as, as you said, um, if you can see other changes in circumstances and companies, then there, there's room to uh, make a, a good return, an attractive return. A very attractive return. On that note, I, I think uh, I'm going to close it off. You've been very uh, kind with your time, Rob. I, I really want to get you on another show soon to get granular into what you're doing on the gold front and keep me updated on the copper. But uh, I want to thank you for coming today. I'm going to close off the show and uh, uh, you, can, uh, you can run off or listen to my closing pitch, if you will. But thanks a lot <laughs> for joining us today. I think you've you brought a lot of tremendous insights into your company, the industry, and how to look at things from an investor. And I, that's who I try to speak with on the show. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you. Have a great day. Okay. So there you go, folks. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, gold, as Rob is. I'm also a big fan of green gold and copper. In McEwen Mining, it offers an opportunity to get exposure to both. Uh, it also gives you a turnaround as a, uh, as a gold producer that has had some challenging times, is on top of those challenging times, has turned the corner at the time when I think gold is ready to get much stronger. And they're doing some great work on the copper front to get value that nobody sees in the valuation of McEwen Mining today, but they're working to get that copper that green gold valuation out of the company. So right now as a retail investor, that's about the best way to get exposure to a great gold, sto gold story turnaround and a green gold story uh, emerging. And it's not a small story either. And it's in right now, there's not a lot of great copper stories out there. So the industry needs a lot more copper stories. I heard at one time years before, before the uh, the vehicle revolution, that the industry needed to find an Escondido practically every year, and we aren't doing that. Copper is heading higher, folks. And uh, as always, my shows are for information purposes only. Do your homework. Speak with your financial advisors. Really take a close look at McEwen Mining because I think it's a uh, it's a big, uh, big turnaround play. That, and I love turnaround plays, no matter what sector I'm looking at, especially in gold and, uh, and with the copper kicker. So everybody have a great day and we'll speak with you soon.